Now, you know, sometimes God, who we read about in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament alike, especially when we go in the Old Testament, does some things or says some things to our humanness is actually rather disturbing. Have you ever been disturbed by some of the thoughts that you have gotten out of the Word of God? Have you ever had some passages that you've read that has made you uncomfortable about God? He is a God to be feared because He is a great, holy God. And He governs all events And sometimes people don't like that because if He governs everything, if He's watching over everything, that means that He's watching over me in everything. And I'd rather not Him be around on certain things that I do or think, right? Psalm 139 says different. He's wherever we go, whatever we do, He is always there. And uh, that really should give us comfort. But uh, we look in the Old Testament, we see that He just wipes out nations. Wipes out cities. He even took His own nation of Israel and had them judged by pagan people. Of course, when you look in uh, the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, you see that. Then you see it in some of the... uh, Minor prophets, the smaller books, and uh, matter of fact, that even ask, "Why, God, are you doing this? Yes, you should judge this nation. Why aren't you doing something now? But then, why are you doing it that way when it happens?" And uh, God can be disturbing, and He should be, because we are human. But the more that we learn about Him and trust Him, the more we can say, as as the little kids do, that He does take care for us and He does do everything good for us. And so, what we're going to do today is do another topical thing here, and it's about providence. The providence of God. It's been said by, uh, Calvin said this, the ignorance of providence is the ultimate of all miseries. Not knowing about providence and not knowing what it is is the worst of miseries. But the highest blessedness lies in the knowledge of it. Think about that for a moment. The highest blessedness in providence lies in the knowledge of it. Knowing that He is an all-good God, and yet He will work everything out for that goodness, even when it will be through some of the worst of times. I think this doctrine is very profitable for us. I think it is the doctrine that needs to be one of the most understood about who God is, because it explains the Christian's life. Um, He works everything for our welfare. Isn't that that great to know? He's working everything for our welfare. God is everywhere at work. Everywhere. God sustains, God nourishes, God cares for everything that He has made. Every event is governed by God. 
I'm kind of giving you the definition of providence here. As we go through it, we'll keep ex- keep explaining that just to refresh us. God's secret plans that we don't even know are directed by His hand. Isn't that good to know? He has secret plans we don't even know about. He doesn't reveal everything to us. He doesn't have to. And it's for our good that He doesn't reveal everything to us. Aren't you glad? Nothing happens unless it is decreed by Him. That could be disturbing by pe- to people. But when you think about it, once you start to know God, it really allows us to take comfort in Him. Because if He is not decreeing that, then where else is it coming from? Does something have almost equal control to Him? Does somebody have equal control to Him or close to it? Or some, you know, He's going to win the battle, but it's going to be awfully close at the end, right? (laughs) Nothing happens unless God, if you want to say it, permitted, allow it. I think decree is a good word. Decree is different than uh, uh, willing it sometimes too. But nothing ever takes place by chance. If it's by chance, that's what I'm getting to. If it just happened by chance, just some kind of random thing happening, and he's not in control of, then what else could happen to this world? Whoops, I didn't know that was going to happen. What if God was that way? Nothing is by chance as far as he's concerned, and it shouldn't be by us either. You know, we hear about people using the word luck. Uh, He's just lucky. Hey, he did that by sheer luck. And you know what that does? That takes God totally out of the whole deal. I mean, he he even cares for the least, littlest, smallest thing. Littlest? (laughs) I don't think that's right to say. All things. I, I like the Ephesians 1, where it definitely hammers on this. In verse 11, Ephesians 1.11, Also we have obtained an inheritance. Amen. Having been predestined or predetermined according to His purpose, His purpose, according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Well, that's a big God. If He can do everything... Remember I was asking the kids? I kept saying, everything? Everything? And they said, yeah. I'm going, wow. They're taught well. (laughs) I'm impressed. Everything? Yes. (laughs) He is. And of course, we we think of the, uh, the sparrows. The little birds that seem to be not worth much. In in uh, Matthew ten, twenty nine, and thirty, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. That, to me, is a caring God. I can see why people would not want to believe in Him. If this God is in absolute control of everything, and then you know what they'll revert to? Why is this happening to me? Or why is that happening to them? Or why did that little 
infants die after being here for one day. What kind of God is that? Did God know about it? Yes. Did God have anything to do with that? No. There are primary causes. There are secondary causes. But ultimately, God could have kept that from happening. If not, then He is not in total control and we don't have a sovereign God. We don't have a providential God. So it's one or the other, isn't it? So I can see why people do not believe in God or believe in Christ because... Something has happened in their lives. Many atheists, if you were to really go back and find out, probably something has happened to them where they erased the thoughts of God out of their mind. Try to erase Him out of your mind. It's pretty hard to do. But they do it as much as they can. But God is in everything that happens. When the sparrow dies and falls, God is there. Could He have done something about it? Yeah. Every animal, every person has their days numbered. And it's not that he just knows about it. He predetermined that. And we tend to think death is the worst thing that can happen to us. But actually, if you're a Christian, it's great to be here, but it's even better to be in the presence of God. So it's not as bad as we think. He uses death as, as a tool, obviously. God is in everything that happens in the world, even the most minute. That's hard to have our mind wrap around that, isn't it? Just the smallest little things. Let's go to Psalm 104, verse 24. Psalm 104, verse 24. I'm going to read through the rest of the chapter. At least through 30. Maybe through them. <laughs> Looks pretty good there at the end too. Oh Lord, how many are your works? Exclamation point there. <laughs> the psalm writer is just amazed by his works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great, There the ships move along in Leviathan which you have formed to sport in it. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. So He gives. They still work for it to get it and gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You hide your face, they are dismayed. You take away their spirit, they expire. He takes away their spirit. He takes he, he, he kills them and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit. They are created. And you renew the face of the ground. And here's why I want to go ahead and finish it on up. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in His works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to Him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. And let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. That's a praise, isn't it? Wow, God gives life. 
God takes. Says that in Job, doesn't he? He's in charge of this whole thing. Yes, he's in absolute control. And anything that happens is not outside of his ultimate will or decree. He because he is in control, or if it's something he didn't want, he can stop it. But everything that he does always turns out for good. That's hard to fathom in our minds. Would you say that God is all powerful? We just seen some verses dealing with that all powerful. And at the same time, to balance that out, God is personal. If he were just a powerful God and would just show off his power and his might, and he never manifested himself to us, oh how sad it would be for us, wouldn't it? But he has a personal involvement in his created world. He has a personal involvement with His own people. A very intimate time with us, doesn't He? With His Word and in prayer. He's personal. And do you know, while we're sleeping, He doesn't sleep. You ever thought of that? While we're sleeping, He's still taking care of us. Making sure we're alive. Making sure everything is going till He says, time to stop. He gives to His beloved what all we need. We need that rest. He gives that to us while we're asleep. Do you remember Elijah? On the, whenever there was the sacrifices to Baal and such, and they were out there trying to get uh, you know, the fire going and everything, and it was taking all day, it seemed like. And Elijah says to the Baal prophets, Is your God asleep? Perhaps He's in the bathroom. And because he knew that God was always in control. God, our God, is doing his thing constantly. We could say 24 7, but I don't think he's bound by that, is he? He's an eternal God. Goes far beyond all, so beyond our thoughts. All we can ever think, we can imagine. Um, Psalm 33, verse 10. These are high thoughts of God we are looking at this morning. Of course, anytime you turn to the Word, that happens, doesn't it? It should. You know what? We should take comfort in this verse right here. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. You can say, well, I don't see that happening now. I just see turmoil and everything going around. Those countries are getting away with murder. Literally. <laughs> And even us, you know. Why doesn't God do something? Oh, He will. He will do that, won't He? And He's doing it now. I think that's uh, quite the thought that uh, He has control all over the nations. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's because that He's going to cause it, ultimately. There are primary causes. There are secondary causes. What people do are secondary causes. What he does is primary cause. But he uses secondary causes. Never causes anyone to sin. He brings Babylon on the nation of Israel. It just really utterly destroys them and then takes you know the the city as far as that's concerned and and takes some back with them. Deport the people and. Uh, God was in control of all that. He told them to do it. Really is what it comes down to when you look at the prophets. 
You go, I, boy, that, that's troubling. That's troubling. What's God going to do to this nation? That's pretty troubling. But then we can take comfort. Take great comfort. Because He knows what He's doing. In Psalm 38, it's kind of a troubling passage. This is David. David's suffering. David is walking in the midst of trouble. And uh, he just says it. O Lord, rebuke me not in Your wrath, and chasten me not in Your burning anger, for your arrows have sunk deep into me and your hand is pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long. For my loins are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before You and my sighing is not hidden from You. My heart throbs, my strength fails me and the light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague and my kinsmen stand afar off. Those who seek my life lay snares for me and those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction and they devise treachery all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. And I am like a mute man who does not open his mouth. Yes, I am like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no arguments. For I hope in You, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, may they not rejoice over Me, who when My foot slips would magnify themselves against Me. For I'm ready to fall and my sorrow is continually before me for I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong and many are those who hate me wrongfully. And those who repay evil for good, they oppose me because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. What a chapter. He's just pouring it out from his heart. He's suffering. There's sin there. There's also physical things that he's battling with. All sorts of things going on. And you know what? Even though he's troubled, he still said, For I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer. I don't know when. I surely wish you could do it now. Haste. Make haste. Yes, we would like for those things to be relieved. But in the midst of trouble, He kept looking at him. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for you. Do you think that God didn't know what was going in this man of God, David? Do you think for a moment that God abandoned him and left him because He didn't hear from him for a while? God is always there. Sometimes He lets us finagle around for a while. He comes to the rescue. He is the one who saves. All that is to teach us how to trust Him more. We live by faith and not by sight. If we're counting on the sightful things, 
you're in for a rude disappointment because that's not faith. Sometimes we do get to see those things and it is nice and it's a respite. Turn to Psalm 139, verse 16. Oh, we're going through quite a few psalms today, aren't we? The heartbeat of David and the psalm writers, how they really sometimes felt, but yet they knew the true God and they put forth His promises, His truth. This is the great one that uh, is about God always being present always omniscient. Verse 16, Your eyes have seen me unformed, seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. He wrote this in a book, When You Were Going to Be Born? when you were going to die. That's how a total control he is. It's written down. God doesn't write it down. Oh, let me see. I forgot. Let me see. <laughs> Look at my book here. He uh, certainly ordains those things. That is the goodness of God, Really? Every day was planned out before you were even born. That's staggering. Every day was planned out before you were even born. Turn to Job 14. Job 14.5 Going to some of the wisdom type books here today, aren't we? Try to seek some wisdom from God. Helps us in our daily walk. Job went through some things I don't think any of us have ever gone through. Probably felt like it. We can certainly identify. Verse 5 says, Since his days, tell my man, are determined, the number of his months is with you, and his limits you have set so that he cannot pass. God has set the limits. Just like the nations, it says in Acts, where their boundaries have been set and they only last so long. And then he moves on and brings on another empire, another great nation. They're here and they pass on. Their numbers are put out. And that's what God does. It's not random or chance when we die and God says, Oh, my, Ooh, I don't think he was supposed to go yet. Well, okay. Kind of messing up lately. No? No, it's because it was perfectly right on time. Now, most of us would say, well, he died before his time. Very rarely will you ever say, well, he died or she died at the very perfect timing that God had made. Now, you might have said that before, especially to older people, and they've lived a long life and they've lived it fully and, and you saw that happening. There are other people just shocking. They can be 30 years old and they just pass. And, and I mean, it totally surprises us. But that's what the length of time that God gave them. And you can say, what about those babies that are aborted? Well, God is in control of that too. But man is held responsible for what he does. And how can you put that together? In your right mind, how do you see that? 
and and certainly we don't we don't condone abortion at all. I'm not saying, hey, we should say, okay, well, hey, you know, God's doing His thing, so that's all right. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that somehow God ordained the time that they would be, but yet man did what did what he did, and he will be judged for that. And it's the same kind of thought whenever Jesus was put on the cross. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world to die on the cross for our sins. But it says in Acts 2 that sinful men got a hold of Him, tortured Him, made Him suffer, and killed Him, crucified Him on the cross, right? How do you put that together? And this is what providence is. This is providence. Boy, I'll tell you what. When you understand that, you just made your mind free of trouble. The only thing is, we can't fully understand that, can we? <laughs> we get an idea. We know God planned before creation, and right now in history, it's all accomplishment, and He even uses everything to accomplish that purpose. Look in Proverbs 21 1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Boy, you know, it makes you see God even in a bigger way than before. You know, we all are people prone to idolatry. You say, what? I don't have any idols. Well, the thing is, we like to make God, and we don't. We wouldn't say we like to, but in our own minds, we limit God and, and we make Him smaller than what He really is for who He is and doing those things. And say, well, that sounds like He's doing some evil things, Dennis. He never does evil. He's a good God, perfectly evil. Why are there terrible nations then? And why do they wreak havoc to other nations? <laughs> The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever He wishes. If He says, okay, that's enough, and He eventually will, then that's where it's going to stop. He'll bring in somebody else, or He'll bring in somebody to defeat that country, whatever. That's what He's always done. Or He will let it go for some extended time. The streams of water, the channels of water... Wow, these are pretty heavy things. It can be troubling. Do you remember the Soviet Union? Some of you might remember back in the 60s and 70s, and you know the the Cold War. And Russia was definitely uh, our enemy. 80s comes along, and all of a sudden, it was like out of nowhere, the wall went down. Do you remember that? Communists. And all of a sudden you don't even hear anything about communism. I'm not saying it's not existing today because it, it surely is, some in different formats and such, but the wall just went down. And of course we have a memorial in, uh, within 20 miles from here, up at Fulton. Of course the Churchill Memorial and Winston Churchill, a mighty man that he was. It was, it was just like the Soviet Union just fell in one day. A mighty power to, like, Zippo just crumbled. Who did that? 
God did that. God planned before creation and now in history He's accomplishing it all. God is in charge. When we understand that, perfect peace comes. We know He's in charge, but do we understand it all? When things go poorly, sometimes we can turn resentful. Right? When things go well, sometimes we just forget. <laughs> Most times things go pretty well. We forget about it. You know, this is just mundane. This is the ongoing everyday thing. You know, He gives us a blessing and we forget Him while He does something or something happens in our life. And what do we do? We complain. Oh, my. Why do we complain? Well, He has a purpose in everything. And for us, His purpose is to draw us closer to Him. And if He takes some things that seem to be very negative, He says, I'm going to use this so that they will know me. So that they will trust me more. Why would God give anybody cancer? You say, Dennis, you can't say that. Usually we don't say that, and I'm not even going to tell anybody that. I'm not going to walk up to him. Well, God gave you that. (laughs) But ultimately, he's in control of that. He could keep that from happening. I had a brother die from leukemia. He was only in his 20s. And I knew, even as a kid there, that I really, you know, to me, I really looked up to my older brother. And uh, I, I never questioned God or anything about it. It, was, it kind of bothered me that that would happen, though. You know, and it never would escape my mind, you know. And at the same time, it sure made us pray more. All that time, up into that time, and then afterwards, just you know, just realizing that we have to totally trust in Him, no matter what happens, you know, no matter how tragic it is, uh, and and ultimately, the things in my life, really, if I can really say this, are from God's hands, because He did ordain when people would leave us, and. God is cultivating a trust in us. What uh, God has for me. And I, and I cultivate that trust by reading His Word. Have you been in the Word lately? I cultivate that trust by then contemplating on it, <laughs> meditating on it, or chewing on it. Meditation means to chew the cud. Like a cow is... You know, just keep chewing and chewing and chewing. Like, Don't they do anything with it? <laughs> they chew and they chew. That's meditation. We chew on the Word of God and think on it. We're going to be thinking on some of these passages maybe throughout the day. Say, so, wow, that's that's a bigger God than I thought. Uh, yeah, we don't want to limit it. So if He does these things that sound rather frightening... I don't want to be disturbing, but the Word of God can be disturbing, and I don't want to make an idol out of Him and make Him less than what He is. I just don't understand it all. Jesus is the one we look at, though, for the mirror. This is is rather deep, but Jesus is the mirror. Jesus' life was planned from the very, for the foundation of the world. I mean, He's always here, but I mean His life here on earth. 
from beginning to end, right? All the way to the cross. He suffered. He laid down His life. Even in that, it was ordained for Him to learn obedience. Now, I find that rather staggering. You know, this is Jesus, the God of the universe, the Creator, and He learned obedience. While He was here in the flesh, He was still God, but He was man. He was learning. And, of course, He would pray to the Father and such. So we look at Him as we go through these things, don't we? And it's things that God has planned for us, and it's good. Everything that happens to us is for our welfare. And it's for our welfare, it's for His glory. All for His honor. That explains a lot of things. You ever heard of concurrence? The doctrine of concurrence? Well, that's what we're going to go to on our second point. And when we put a name to things, we think we know what it is. We're trying to get a grasp on this when we go so far. Another word is confluence. When you have a river and you have another river and they converge and get closer and they run together and then you have another uh, a river that comes out of that, it's like a third river, right? There's a confluence or concurrence there. It means to flow together to become one. Concurrence is like a subdivision of providence. It's our actions, good or bad, together with what we just talked about, God's plan. Now, a miracle is an amazing thing and every one of us would love to see a miracle. But a miracle is supernatural. It's as amazing as it is. Providence happens all the time. And I think it's even more supernatural to see providence. To see how God and His plan still uses people's right actions or wrong actions and still comes together in His plan as He weaves everything together. This is deep. (laughs) This concurrence is really deep, isn't it? You can say, well, if something goes wrong, if it's God's plan, then He messed up. Take a corpse in the sun. Been out there for days. Been out there for several days. Well, what happens? Starts rotting, corrupting, putrefying. It's a stench. Did the sun cause it? Did the sun cause it to stink? No. It brought out the corruption, though, that is there. Does the sun stink? No. But it brings out the corruption. Genesis 50 shows the actions of man after you sum up uh, about 14 chapters of Genesis. The great story of providence. This is probably uh, the uh, the most lengthy passage on this. Maybe the best one. You have men who took their brother 
they were jealous of because their dad, Jacob, gave him a coat of many colors. Beautiful coat. And he gave it to him, Joseph. And so that makes them very upset. They've always kind of uh, been jealous of him anyway, and they take him out. And their plan is, is they're going to do something with him, uh, kill him. And they see, one of them sees, oh, let's don't kill him. Here came a band of uh, slave traders. They sold him as a slave. They said, boy, look at that. Boy, that's a responsibility where the brothers actually sell their brother into uh, slavery. They'd thrown him into a pit and everything. What an incredible story. You guys all know this story, don't you? You get to Genesis 50. Of course, as the story develops and you start catching what's going on there, you really get to grab this thing that um, God was involved with. At the same time, it's man's evil. It's man's sin. Responsibility of man. And here's God using all this. We'll pick it up chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brother saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us? Now, Jacob is dead. Okay, what if Joseph's been kind of cool with us. Okay, what's going to happen? Bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him. I'll get back to you, right? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. You meant evil. But God meant it for good. Why? In order to bring about this present Result to preserve many people alive. See, we don't know the rest of the story. We just know what is happening now and what has just happened. How can God allow this? There's no way that Joseph could see what was going to happen. There's no way the brothers could see what would happen as a result of this. God didn't put it out on a TV screen for all to see. But he's going to weave this together. This is magnificent, folks. This is a providential God. This is providence. This is concurrence. Using men's evil and sin, at the same time, God's plan is going to come out so that people would be preserved. That the nation of Israel would be preserved as they came down and were able to eat food and drink water during the time of dryness. Saved them and as a result of that then you get the story of Moses like what 500 years later? 400 years later? 400 years? Joseph? 
and then we, we know that he was in good favor and the people were in good favor uh, with Egypt and all of a sudden they forgot about Joseph and they turned on these people and made them slaves. God made that happen too. As a result of that, you get Moses, the lawgiver, and he delivers the people out of there. You see the the whole story, the whole Bible, from beginning to end, is all providence. How he weaves everything together. Nothing there is by accident. It meant evil. God meant it for good. Boy, what a classical text. There's intentionality here. That means there's reasons for what they did. They were wrong. We act to make choices. And our mind does what it wants to do. They had an aim in mind. God, of course, does too. There's the intentionality of God. And His intentions will outweigh our intentions. God meant it for good. They were responsible. God was working in and through their evil. He turned it into a great thing. You know what? There's a mystery in this. And when there's a mystery, you can only go so far in your thinking. But you can say, yeah, God can do that. There's also a paradox. Paradox looks like a contradiction, doesn't it? But it's not. God never contradicts Himself. To be free, you have to be a slave. That's a paradox. (laughs) To be free, you have to be a slave. But you know what? There's no contradiction there whatsoever. Then there is a contradiction where it's just unintelligible gibberish. It does not make sense. And it's not one plus one equals three. Right? That, that's a contradiction, isn't it? We know that. A mystery is sometimes something we don't understand or understand fully. It can be understood to a point. It's certainly understood by God. But a contradiction cannot be understood. There are no contradictions in the Bible, even though it's coming from a high, holy Sovereign God that thinks much higher than we do. And if God says something that seems to contradict what we think in our mind, we can say, okay, I don't understand what that is exactly. Well, whatever He says, I believe it. That's why when you look at predestination and election, you realize. At the same time, he says, you must have faith and you must repent. And it's like they seem to be at odds, but they're perfect friends. They're going parallel right down the tracks. They're not at odds whatsoever. But our minds have a hard time wrapping around that. Nothing is mysterious to God. He understands everything and He's put it all in order. God's sovereignty, human responsibility, no contradiction. He works over, under, and through. Whatever our choices are, He's still going to make the way. 
The crucifixion, I think, is a great example. How about God hardening Pharaoh's heart? A little troubling when you first read that? You can say, well, no, 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 uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Yeah, God says that. But he also says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, I thought God couldn't tempt anybody. Now, he does not tempt anybody into sin. Will test us, put us on trial, but you have a totally depraved person here, Pharaoh. You see, what God does, He restrains him from sinning more than He does. He's already a sinner, that's his nature, right? God doesn't make him sin. You say, well, He sure seems like He did. He, he hardened His heart. Well, see, all that God has to do to harden a heart is just take back His restraining hand that keeps Pharaoh from doing the most evil things. You see, even though we're totally depraved, we haven't reached the ultimate point where we are all... I mean, every part of us is absolutely depraved. I mean, every aspect of us is depraved in a certain way, but there is the other sense that we haven't sinned as much as we could sin. And nobody has gone that far. They've gone pretty far. And it's usually when God takes off His restraining hand and He just lets it go. Like in Romans 1. I think that explains what's going on in this homosexual, seem-like nation that we live in. Even though it's a small percentage, I think the percentage is growing, totally accepted throughout the media. You can't even say anything against it today. You can read something about it in the Bible. If people all upset, oh, you shouldn't say that. But see, that's what he did. He just he's he's let off his hands. Okay, you want to do it? Go at it. That's part of the wrath of God, and then He will judge it. See, they're just stacking up sin upon sin upon sin, and the more sin that they have, the more judgment they're going to get. Do you know that? Well, that scares me to death. If I weren't a Christian. And I was just packing on the sin and it just gets worse. And it's because he says, okay, go at it. You want it? That's what you want? Do it. Man, God's restraining hand is mercy. Oh, it's very gracious to to do that. Sometimes he just lets loose. There are no accidents. Hey, what if Jacob never gave to Joseph the coat? And say, you know, looking back at that, Boy, that, what a mess that turned into. Man, if, he'd, if Jacob never given that to him, that, that was a, not a good thing to do, you know, with the other brothers. Well, I'm sure God could work that. But, but think about it on through. Well, then he would have not been sold as a slave. He would have not been in prison. How about there would have been no Potiphar? You know that story there? Well, then that means Joseph wouldn't have got out of the jail that he was there. And then he wouldn't have become prime minister. You know, you can go on and on with this. I am glad God did what He did. Because it all points to the Messiah who's going to come later. It's all leading up to that. God is in the details, bringing His will to pass, and He's still not taking away our will. We always choose according to our inclination. And if you're depraved, what are you inclined to do? You're always going to choose against God. You're going to choose to please your flesh. That is what you want to do. The flesh is still here and it still likes to be pleased. The only thing is you have the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden it seems like not only that guilt but the, um, the aspect of where you 
turn grieved over <laughs> your sin. We always choose according to the inclination. That's what Jonathan Edwards talked about. The strongest inclination is the strongest at the moment. You were given a choice to be here today. You had a strong inclination to be here. You made that choice. Now you might have thought a little bit and said, I don't feel so great today. (laughs) But there's another part that says, yeah, but I know I'm supposed to be there. And I should be there. I want to worship God. That was your strongest inclination. That's why you chose. Some of you guys might remember Jack Benny. (laughs) That should bring a laugh, right? And he was uh, doing his thing on a TV show one time. Others are saying, Jack Benny. Right, Jack Benny? Like this. Like this. (laughs) That's right. You got the guy coming up to him. You might remember this. And he's got a gun on him. And he says, your money or your life. And Jack Benny does what? And the guy at the gun is saying, what are you doing? He says, I'm thinking. (laughs) Money was awfully dear to him, wasn't it? I can guarantee you, Jack got a better laugh than I did, but I got a better laugh than I thought I'd get. (laughs) Thank you guys, you're (laughs) very gracious. (laughs) But what was his strongest inclination? The money. Most people would say, well, listen, if I give him the money, I may be able to get out of here with my life. And my life is worth more than the money. So, you know, you go with what your strongest inclination is. If you've been trained with the Word of God, now your inclination is different as a Christian and you want to do the things of God. After I finish a great big meal, I could say, and I mean Thanksgiving meal, I could say, you know what? I really probably can start going on a diet from here on out. After Christmas. Well, after New Year's. And then I'm going to start. But after you've been filled, you can say that. But a few hours later, your inclination is now different. Right? Um, I'd rather have a big meal than that salad diet. Sometimes I'd rather sin than do God's will. Uh, We don't ever say that. But when we sin, we're really saying that. You know, I'm free to do that. But, we know that we have affections that are being put to Christ right here. We didn't have those before Christ. We have affections. They're not compared to the natural man. You now desire the things of Christ. God does this change, not us. He gives us a new inclination. So, there's secondary causes, and that's us. We are secondary causes or other things. I move my legs, my arms, I talk, I'm doing things like this. I just chose to do that. And you know what? That was a secondary cause because there's a primary cause. The primary cause is God. Because He gave me the power to be able to do that. 
what God means to have done in my life does happen and that gives me comfort. The worst news that could ever be is that my eternal life is at stake and all of eternal life is pending on my choice whether I say yes or no. In this life, it means all of eternity. And I have control of that. That scares me to death. And let's say I could say, okay, I'm walking away from God. What if we had that? You know what? We'd do that. It's all in my hands. Folks, that's not believing in a sovereign or a providential God. I have to make the choice for eternity whenever I'm dead spiritually and I can't do it anyway. You know what? I'd have to abandon all hope. There would be no hope because I couldn't do it and I couldn't keep it if I did do it. His plan is always, always, always over any choice that we make. He might go with that choice. That's not good. Or he might stop it right there. God's plan always trumps our plan. Aren't you thankful for that? He just stops it right there. And that means he's stopping the message because I had a deal about providence and evil. About God bringing it on in Lamentations 3, 37 and 38. Lamentations 2, 21. God slaughtered. God slaughtered people. Not directly, but He used other people to do that. It's disturbing. Isaiah 45.7 says He creates calamity. God is in charge. He's in charge of the suffering for His people. You look in Psalm 88 and you'll see the suffering. The goodness of God, though, is always there. That's why if you know those attributes, the goodness of God relates to our suffering in all that He does. And God will use us as a light in this world and how we respond to that will affect others. But that he would, it would be how He's glorified in our living and dying. Will we die well? Will we suffer well while we're here? Or are we, are we just going to be miserable and let other people be miserable too around us because we're miserable? Well, we have that choice. We can continue, and and we can die terribly. I mean, in the sense of not leaving any kind of legacy, and people don't even want to be around you. On the other hand, God says, "I'll turn your suffering into good." That's where Romans eight twenty eight is. You guys know that. This is good for me because it comes from your hand, Lord. This is good. We're ever more reliant and dependent. In a desperate situation, we're dependent on Him because the crown awaits. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. 
And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. And what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all? How will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Let's pray. Father, what a providential God we have. And You use everything to bring about Your plan and purpose and it's always good. Help us, Lord, to do the good things and be fitting in Your will as we're made more Christ-like that we'd make the choices our inclination will be stronger and stronger of what Christ would want. In His name, Amen. Amen. God, in all that plan, planned for us to be right here at this moment, at this time, communing with each other, rejoicing and glorifying Him in this, on this particular day. And uh, knowing that He is in such charge that even, the, even these small things, which are actually great things, something that He's designed. Of course, we try to go by what His Word says as we meet in fellowship, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking to one another, and being led by His Spirit, preaching the Word, reading the Word, communing, praying, 
what where else do you do that but in God's church in uh, in his um, in his body to do that body of Christ what a special privilege it is and this is how we can honor him the most when we are uh, content with that being able to worship the God's people what a highlight Father thank you thank you for your word thank you for being a God who has revealed us many things and yet still there's quite the mystery that's behind you and it will take eternity to learn who you are it will never get dry it will always be exciting there's no reason from here on out why we can't be excited about who you are what you are about it is totally awesome as we think about your sovereign providence and that we'll be able to take comfort in that and truly believe that that knowing that whatever is on us you are right there and it's to make us depend upon you to know you better so that is eternal life knowing you one day there will be no more sin that you'll use in your plan everything will be glorious and blissful and that's what carries us on from day to day because we look back at the cross now we contemplate on the death, burial, resurrection, the ascension of our Lord and the coming back. And by the body and the blood. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth.
he comes out of the bottle every once in a while and tries to, you know, get a life and it's exciting. <laughs> I just want to thank everybody because I've asked for for years and I just want to thank you for your service. You know, God is choosing this time to start kicking the little butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see those little bitty guys growing yeah, up in you know, the church and everything. And, then and I was thinking today, you know, you do everything you can do to raise your children the way you think that they, you know, need to know the Lord and whatever. And that's our commandment. We don't get a promise that everything will work out okay. It's just we need to do what you are told to do. And, and that's been killing me for years. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really, this is awesome. And of course, Ronnie has you know, a lovely lady, and he is not using drugs or alcohol at all. So I just really thank you for your prayers. Well, Tony, Tony is the one that needs probably the most prayer because Tony always looks like he's doing okay, but he doesn't know the Lord, and he, I don't even know, I mean, you know, the other guys obviously needed help, but Tony, he just, you know, he just, Goes like he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't. I mean, he, I don't know what he believes. He's a religious thinker. Yeah. <laughs> religious <of nonsense. laughs> he's, mm-hmm. So I don't even know. You know, he's hard. He's hard to get through to. I talk to him constantly. Well, what the Lord's doing in his life, he uh, he's a child of the Lord, and it's been awful for him. Was uh, your mothers have gone through some great times, but uh, at the same time you've had some really difficult things you've had to deal with. Let me see them grow up, and uh, they've gotten older, and have families, or whatever. There's a lot of heartache that uh, many of you have dealt with, and then it's but it's great to know that God is still working His plan. He's doing His thing. Uh, but we, we keep praying and uh, you know, we don't want to forget about each other because that time that you spend in with them, if, if you're doing it or will be doing it or have done it and it's already over, the fact of the matter is is that if you proclaim Christ to them and you desire them and you're still praying for them, that's the best thing for them. And, uh, can't, you don't have a guarantee of how their life is going to turn out, but you stay faithful to what you know that is true. So, uh, I said here, and I think Michael, who goes back to those very <laughs> things, he's in yeah. here. Of course, he still is in this town, but he's in here sitting with us. And, uh, and I praise God for Michael every day. Every now and then, yeah.
two that test those things. Yeah. And we yeah. never know how it turns out. You can raise two children the exact same yeah. way mm-hmm. and have one go one way and one go the other. So You don't get that it. promise that it's going to work out yeah. the way you wanted it to. You only have the command to do what the Lord calls you. Mm-hmm. That's all you get. Well, let's close with prayer. Father, we thank you for watching over us entirely. And, uh, of course, this, um, the accident that happened, and we use the word accident, and mm-hmm. it is, whenever there's um, something that happens like that, as um, Rebecca was sharing with us. We pray for them as uh, recovery happens, and uh, we uh, would pray, Lord, that that somehow would be used for, uh, obviously, and ultimately, your glory, and that it would draw them to Christ. Uh, we pray for Gib, who needs Christ so much, and there again, there is another sense where he could have been taken, and yet your timing and the way that you use things turns out for good there but we pray that he would have a desire to truly know you and we pray for uh, for Penny's boys and we know that they've gone through all sorts of different kind of trials and struggles and we never want to forget them because we know that they've heard the gospel over and over many, many, many times and sang all the songs and was taught about who you are. And we pray that somehow they would return to that. And so, to that. And we think of Debbie, too, who we've been praying for so long for, uh, of course, I think Dave, and I think we could say Edie also. And thank you for Annie and the example that um, she brought out. And uh, that's just uh, some of the people that go way back when and, and all the others we're so thankful for. But thankful for these uh, these ladies who have um, stayed with us, stayed in prayer, and stayed in prayer, and stayed in prayer, and never given up. What a ministry that is for the motherhood. And it is worth it all. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everything <laughs> 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 <laughs>